Welcome to Wine and Wisdom Podcast. I'm Dee Owens. I'm so excited for today's episode and our guest. Um, I have here with me Courtney Miners. Um, and I'm very excited about today's topic and the subject that we're going to be talking about. As I have been recently diagnosed um, with PCOS, I am so excited for our guest and for her to educate and talk to us today. So welcome to the show, Courtney. I'm so happy to have you. Oh, Dee, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and to chat with you about COS. This is exciting. Um, yes, I stumbled across Courtney on TikTok, I believe it was. And then I went from her TikTok and found her on Instagram. And I reached out to her and she was so kind to come on the show. So I am super excited. Um, and I really appreciated you again being here. Of course, any opportunity to talk more about PCOS, to get the word out, because it is so prevalent, yes. you know, I love being able to to do this. So thank you for opening up the space. Absolutely. So I would love to just start off with getting to know you, um, who you are and your background and how you grew up and where you're from and all those good <laughs> things. Yeah, awesome. So I was actually born and raised on the tiny little island of Bermuda, which is in, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know. So 21 square miles. It's teeny tiny um, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So um, there are not too many of us because it is a very small country, but it was an incredible childhood, incredible upbringing. If you can imagine small town life, beach to the left of you, beach to the right of you, you know, it was incredible. Um, and then from there, I actually, I lived in Brazil for a year. Uh, when I graduated high school, did an exchange program. And then from there, I transitioned and went into undergraduate, which was in Canada. So my first degree is actually in biology pre-med and it was then I was on the fast track to become a doctor, um, ready to go. And it was my second to last semester. And I took a nutrition elective mm -hmm. and I just, I fell in love. I was like, I don't want to treat disease. I want to help prevent food is so powerful. Lifestyle is so powerful. So I applied to grad school, um, before I even finished undergrad <laughs> and was already like fast tracked on my way to becoming a registered dietitian. So then I ended up in Florida, did grad school, um, became a dietitian there and have been practicing for 13, almost 14 years now uh, as a dietitian. Yeah. So that's kind of my little story in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. I love it. You've, you're worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> I've been around. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we got to know your childhood a little bit and got to know where you grew up. Um, I'm interested to go into then your adulthood and what um, led you into the field of PCOS and what exactly by starting off actually what you do and, um, you know, what exactly your mission is and your goal with your clients. We'll start with that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, is an extremely prevalent condition. Mm 
And we know based on statistics about now one in five women Mm -hmm. have PCOS. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you look to the right of you, look to the left of you, siblings, cousins, friends, you will find someone else who has PCOS in your close circle because it is that prevalent. Yes. Not just in this country, but worldwide. Yes. Right. So I myself, besides being a registered dietitian and being passionate about treating illness with nutrition and lifestyle, I have my own journey with PCOS. Mm -hmm. So in undergrad is when I was officially diagnosed with PCOS. So that was like my early, late teens, early 20s. Oh, I'm sorry, Courtney. Can we just, I want to ask before you go into your story for the viewers that may have not exactly know or ever heard of PCOS, can we talk about the definition of it or if you can sum it up or just something, give them a little bit of knowledge of what exactly uh, PCOS is. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm -hmm. And even though we've got the word ovary in that term, in that condition, it's not only a reproductive condition, but it is an extremely complex metabolic and endocrine disorder that primarily affects women of reproductive age, primarily. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, PCOS for those who don't know, is the number one cause of what we call an ovulatory infertility, okay, in this country. Mm. Um, and that's primarily when people get diagnosed, right? So they come off the pill, they start trying to maybe conceive or have, have babies mm-hmm. and just cannot get pregnant, mm-hmm. right? And that's where they get their workup done. And a lot of PCOS cases are diagnosed in those instances. Um, That wasn't for me. That's not how I was diagnosed. But that is fairly typical because it is the number one cause of anovulatory infertility. And when we say anovulatory infertility, that means that our body is just not able to release an egg. The egg is not maturing, right? So what could be some symptoms that might lead someone to go to the doctor and think, hmm, maybe I might have PCOS. Okay. Well, one, if we're trying to conceive and we're not getting pregnant, so issues with infertility. Another concern could be just irregular periods, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that irregular periods are considered going more than about 35 days without a bleed. Okay. Meaning that your cycle length is longer than 35 days. Um, that would might give you cause to reach out to your doctor and see kind of what's going on. Right. And that's associated with PCOS. Um, and then sometimes what we call uh, hyperandrogenism, which is elevated androgens, which are primary, primarily those kind of quote unquote male hormones. So we might have elevated t- testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there are some kind of common symptoms that come along with that acne, Mm-hmm. excess facial hair, right? Um, excess body hair on our arms, our chest, our back, and not just like that peach fuzz, right? Like dark, coarse hair yes. that for a lot of women is very debilitating, right? Where we have to remove it every single day or professionally every single week. Um, and it's basically the cause of that. And sometimes people tend to lose hair, like male pattern baldness, but for women is related to those high testosterone levels. 
So if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, right, and even things like chronic fatigue, anxiety, depression, mood disorders, sleep disorders, mm-hmm. all of that is kind of wrapped up and very common with PCOS. Right. And you might be saying to yourself, I just don't feel right. And at that moment, you might seek out medical attention. But the problem is there is that it takes years, up to five years for most women to actually get a formal diagnosis, which means that most of us are struggling. And there are many of us struggling who don't even know about the diagnosis. So that whole one in five, that's those that we know have PCOS. Mm which is telling me that it's much more prevalent than what we actually know about that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So once, you know, we're feeling these things, we know something's wrong, we seek out medical attention, maybe we eventually get a really good provider who does a proper workup. So how do they diagnose us, right? Well, we have this criteria, it's called the Rotterdam Criteria. Okay, and this is used to diagnose PCOS. Because PCOS is kind of like a rule out condition, okay? okay? It's a collection of symptoms. So you have to have two out of three criteria in that Rotterdam criteria in order to be diagnosed with PCOS. So what are those three criteria? One is going to be cysts visible on the ovaries. And these are not regular cysts. I say cysts quite loosely because what that is, remember I said at the beginning that PCOS is associated with anovulatory infertility. Mm -hmm. So we are not releasing eggs. Mm. So what those cysts look like and what they actually are, are immature follicles, eggs that have not developed because we are not ovulating. And the doctor can do like a vaginal ultrasound and see those immature follicles or quote unquote cysts um, on the ultrasound. So that's one of the criteria. The second would be irregular periods. So if you're going longer than 35 days without a bleed, Mm -hmm. um, then that would fall into that irregular period category. Um, And then lastly, the third criteria would be that hyperandrogenism, those elevated male um, hormones like testosterone Mm -hmm. or the presence of some of those symptoms that come along with that, the excess facial hair, right? The cystic hormonal acne. Only you have two of those three, that's where the doctor can kind of classify you as having PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome. Okay. And so I hope that. Uh, yeah, no, that definitely helps. <laughs> um, that definitely helps, okay. uh, especially for someone who I think wouldn't really know exactly what it is or have never really heard about it. And the statistics, yeah. the statistics are pretty crazy. Um, and like you said, that's only that we know of. And um, I will definitely get into later, especially I want to talk about my story and um, and really prove your point and how many other women, you know, take so long to get their diagnosis. But I would love to hear mm-hmm. your story and, um, you know, when you found out and just what led you to doing what you do now. Yeah, of course. So my story was I had stopped birth control because I wanted to have a natural period at this point. And I was started on birth control as an early teen due to acne. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
who knows, I could have had PCOS in my early teens, but was not diagnosed. Um, but in any event, I came off birth, birth control and I did not get a period. A month went by, two months went by, three months went by, four months went by, five months went by, six months went by. And I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah. So obviously I went to see my doctor because this is not normal. And um, sometimes it, your periods can be a little irregular after you come off the pill, but by that point, it should have regulated, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you, I had a really good doctor. And just this was almost two decades ago, mm -hmm. right? When I got diagnosed. So this was quite some time ago. And my doctor was able to pick up on it, did the proper testing. And I got my diagnosis fairly quickly wow. after I sought out, um, which is, that's unusual. That's right. unusual. And I had all of the three criteria. I had what's called hirsutism, which is the facial hair. Mm -hmm. I had the severe acne, um, which are consistent with hyperandrogenism. On the ultrasound, I had the classic cysts along or immature follicles on my ovaries. And obviously I had irregular periods, which is what led me to, to the doctor. And all that time, my only concern was the periods, not knowing that, oh, the facial hair, well, I guess everybody has to just remove it, right? Or, you know, I'm like in my late teens, early 20s, acne is just, it's normal. This right. is, I just have to struggle with it. Like, that's what I thought. And, you know, it wasn't something that I talked about with my girlfriends mm -hmm. or even my mom or cousins or anything like that, right? It was just like, I was struggling in silence. And then once I got the diagnosis, that's when I started to investigate. And remember, I was in my um, first degree, which was in biology pre-med. So I was always very hip to kind of like researching, looking at scientific studies, like that's just my background. Right. So for me, I knew I didn't want at that point to go down the prescription route. I was like, I want to heal my body on my own. I was very adamant about that, even on in my early 20s. And um, at that point, it took about a year for me to regulate and get a period, which is a long time. That is not safe because we know that when we go long periods without a period, um, that actually increases our risk for things like ovarian cancer, uterine cancers, right? Mm. Increases our risk for osteoporosis because it can affect bone density, right? So we do get, we are at higher risk for so many conditions um, just because we have PCOS. Mm. So. At that point, I did a lot of research. I was studying. I'm now in my nutrition degree. I'm learning more. I'm studying more. And the just just like you found me through social media, there was no social media at yes. that point. Okay, <laughs> like I think we had Google and maybe I don't know MySpace. Maybe Facebook had just come out when I was in undergrad. So okay. just so you know, <laughs> that's that's. That's the era we're talking about. So there were no like PCOS Facebook groups or things mm -hmm. like that. Like I literally was reading articles, scientific articles about wow. things. And, you know, I started 
to adjust my diet as well. Um, just again, learning more through my degrees and things like that, adding in more plants into my diet, adding in more anti-inflammatory foods. And that was helping to clear my skin um, and also slow the hair growth, right? So I was seeing connections with what I was doing in my body. Um, in my early 20s, and I think just in the nature of the years that I grew up, like around exercise, it was always about cardio, cardio, cardio. Like mm. if you're not running the treadmill or doing a cycle class and this, that, and the other. So I was like, ah, <laughs> going crazy. <laughs> and that was not the best for me at that time, right? Mm. So I started incorporating strength training and just shifting I didn't stop cardio, but I changed the balance of what I was doing. And eventually things started to regulate and I started to incorporate some supplements that were beneficial for me. Um, and for over a decade now, I basically have a regular cycle every 28, 30 days without medication. My skin has cleared up. I no longer have she to deal with She has gorgeous skin. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> bless yeah. you. I remember I remember the first time someone complimented me on my skin, I just about cried. Oh. Because I struggled for so long and yeah. I never thought I would have like clear skin. Yeah. Like the, I never thought that would be me. So, you know, that was that was crazy. But, you know, I say all this to say that I healed my body with PCOS naturally. And I was able to shift my lifestyle in a way to support my body. And that aha moment, right? And mm -hmm. I was seeing clients and I noticed, oh, I'm seeing more PCOS clients. And I'm like, really connecting. And I'm like, this is incredibly prevalent. And mm -hmm. that's where it just, I was like, this is my mission. This is my passion. There are so many women, especially women of color who are struggling. Yes. And need support, mm -hmm. support that I, I did not have, right. right? And I struggled for many years. So I really just, my mission is to help fast track women to healing around PCOS, using lifestyle, using nutrition to really help support their bodies. And that does not mean that I am anti-medication, anti you know, prescription, definitely not, right? I always see a time and a place for, for things like that. But Nutrition and lifestyle should and always be the first line of defense when it comes to PCOS because it is such a lifestyle condition. Mm -hmm. So that is what I do. That is who I help. And that's what I love. <laughs> that was so beautifully put. Um, I think it also, one thing I like um, is you know firsthand with your clients because it's something that you actually went through. And I think that makes it a little bit more special in your connection with your clients because you're speaking from experience and they can look at how you really healed your body. And like I said, she has great skin. So, um, you know, she's a testimony of, you know, healing through nutrition. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I just love helping women and seeing like the change because like I said, there's so many symptoms with PCOS mm -hmm. that... People don't think, we think, okay, infertility, lack of periods, we think of it more as a fertility issue, yes. but it is extremely debilitating, okay? Yes. Like, it affects people's sleep, 
it affects your mood, right? I remember in my early diagnosis, I thought I was clinically depressed. Mm. I literally did not want to get off of the couch. But now knowing that is connected, right? Yes. Because being on birth control for so many years, which men, many of us are and mm. have been, leads to so many nutrient deficiencies, deficiencies in B12 and magnesium and zinc, right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, that affects chemical balances. It affects things like anxiety, depression, right? Insulin resistance promotes that just being on the birth control, which precipitates all the symptoms that come along with it, like chronic fatigue, anxiety, depression, mood disorders, sleep disorders, um, constantly craving, right? Yes. I remember that was a horrible one um, <laughs> where you would eat a meal and it's just like five, 10 minutes later, it's like, hmm, all right, I'm ready for something else. I want something yes. sweet. <laughs> you feel empty. You're like, wait, what did I just eat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, I always tell my clients, it's not you. It's the hormonal imbalance. Mm. It's the nutrient deficiencies that are driving these symptoms. But once we get to the root cause of your unique PCOS and your unique symptoms, that's where all the healing happens. That's where people flourish and feel amazing mm -hmm. because you can feel amazing regardless if you have PCOS. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so before we get into getting to know more about PCOS, I um, do a daily affirmation on the show. I usually Ooh. go on an app called I Am or I do something like that. Um, I love that app. <laughs> <laughs> it's such I a good app. Um, but yes, if you can read the affirmation, what I usually do is you read the affirmation and then um, kind of just talk about what you feel about the affirmation or how you interpret it or how mm -hmm. you will, um, you know, use it in the future. Anything like that oh, yeah, that you want to do. So yeah. I love that. Okay. <laughs> so listen to this. The first one I opened. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I am a priority in my life. My health and healing matter. Like, <gasps> no how way. Certain, how serendipitous is that? <laughs> that is amazing. Right? The that, first one I'm open. That is so perfect. Can you read it one more time, please? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it is, I am a priority in my life. My health and healing matter. I am a priority in my life. My health and healing matter. Wow. Mm -hmm. For the topic today, this is amazing. I would love yeah. to hear how you take that or, um, yeah. you know, anything or what you think that means or, you know. Yeah, I think tying it into PCOS because mm -hmm. I'm a priority in my life. So many of my clients and people with PCOS, we tend to be, and Dee, you can tell me if this resonates <laughs> with you. We tend to be that kind of type A personality, perfectionist, go-getter, mm -hmm. never want to say no, always taking more on our plates. <laughs> and, you know, our health is impacted as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So that first statement, I'm a priority in my life, we should always be the priority, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing that I like to do when I wake up, my priority is moving my body. That's very important to me. Getting up, getting a good sweat, moving my body, doing something for me, 
making myself a priority, taking care of my body before I even consider anybody else, right? So that is essential to healing because in my early days of PCOS, ooh, I was struggling. Yeah. Okay. And it affected certain hormones, um, especially those stress hormones, cortisol, DHEAS, all of those were kind of like, ooh, all over the place because I was taking on, taking on. So I have learned over the years, and I'm not saying that it was like a light switch where it was like, okay, yeah. damn, <laughs> myself first. No, it, it was a journey. Um, but I definitely like to start my day focused on me, not my husband, not my clients, me. That's really important. And then my health and healing matter. I mean, that kind of just sums yeah. it up. Um, that's my number one. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, for me, I kind of resonate with that because um, it's so prevalent to what I'm going through in my life right now and just how I'm trying to navigate. Like, I've only been diagnosed a couple months ago, so I'm still kind of learning and trying to take as much in as I can and yeah. just learn out what to do. But I feel like it's so important because, like you said, I put myself on the back burner and now I'm kind of like, for me, I feel like I got older and it kind of was like a wake up call because I'm like, all right, you're, you're not 21 anymore. Like, it's really time to start figuring things out. You've been going through this for years. Um, and, you know, as far as my health and my healing go, um, and they like being important and I deserve it. Um, and I believe in that. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, that will kind of pivot me to my story of how I got diagnosed. Um, which mm -hmm. was long story short, um, I was going to the same doctor for six years and I kept telling them something's not right because every time I was taken off birth control, everything went crazy with me yeah. I felt like I would not get a period for months at a time but I absolutely hated how um my birth control made me feel we tried yeah. different ones I did not I just didn't like it at all um yeah. and I just it just did I didn't like the way that it made me feel so I either had to choose between having my period or you know going on something that made me feel horrible so it was very very hard for years I felt very unseen and very unheard. Um, mm -hmm. And then after six years, I'm like, you know what? This is it. I feel like I'm. it's a revolving door. I'm not going anywhere. And mm -hmm. I finally went to a new doctor. And literally in five minutes, he basically told me, based off what you're telling me, I feel like you have it, but we're going to get some testing done. And yeah. I was diagnosed. And it's so crazy because wow. um, I feel like what I want to say is about the your health and your healing matter um, is that you are the person that's going to have to advocate for yourself. Um, oh, yeah. If someone's not hearing you out, you have to advocate for yourself um, and your health and my health and my healing um, and is important. And I, I, I finally realized that and that's why I went and got a second look. So that's kind of what yes. I want to tie into that um, yes, with the affirmation. Yeah. No, that's so important. And I'd love that you touch on like being an advocate for yourself because it is so important, mm -hmm. right? And unfortunately, as women of color, mm -hmm. we know that there are health disparities in the medical community, right? Yes. Where we are not heard, we are not taken as seriously. Even, you know, there are presumptions of what we eat or that we don't exercise or that 
you know, even yes. before we can open my mouth, open our mouths and the questions aren't there as they should be for a full medical assessment. So that's one thing that, you know, I'm very detailed with, with my clients, asking them how they're feeling, you know, how things are working. And if they tell me they're not getting the right response or anything from a provider, I'll be quick to say, well, let's try someone else because, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, your health, like you said, matters. You have to have to advocate for yourself. So, Absolutely. and you know your body better than anyone else, yes. better than me as your dietitian, your doctor, right? So if something doesn't feel right, even if your doctor says, oh, your blood work looks fine, you're fine. Yeah. If you don't feel fine, you are not fine and you need to get answers. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would love to talk about, so I know you did talk about some symptoms and that was going to be a good, that was going to be a question. And I love that you touched on that. Um, but yeah. I would love to know some causes um, of PCOS, like what can cause PCOS or what are some factors yeah, that's a really, really good question. Because when we look in the literature, there's no real known, there's hypotheses, right, mm -hmm. as to what can potentially lead to PCOS, but we really don't know what the initial cause is. So there can be like some environmental factors at play that affect our genetics. We know that there's also some hereditary factors, meaning that if your mom has PCOS, then you're at higher risk um, of getting it. And there have been even newer studies showing that women with PCOS, our sons, our male um, children are more likely to have obesity, right? So there's definitely, wow. yeah, or not not that they will and right, have no, to. But, but yeah, statistically, yeah. like that's, wow. Yeah, so we know that there's environmental pieces at play, genetic pieces at play, as well as um, hereditary pieces at play that can lead to PCOS. Um, so I know for me, just kind of looking at my history, I knew no one in my family that had PCOS. Mm -hmm. But then when you start asking questions, it's like, okay, well, grandma had right. regular periods or she had miscarriage or, and things start to pop up, right? But so maybe they had the diagnosis. I don't know, but there's definitely a link. And when you start asking questions, if you haven't heard it from your family, you'll probably find some sort of link there. Okay. Yeah. Now, are there different types of different types of PCOS or um, that you would like to go over or talk about? Yeah. So when we think about PCOS, there aren't necessarily types, but there are what we call like root drivers or mm -hmm. things that could be precipitating your unique symptoms. Because I will say this, while the diagnosis is the same polycystic ovary syndrome, every person with the condition presents completely differently, mm -hmm. right? Not everyone will have the same symptoms, right. right? So for me, my symptoms were irregular periods, acne and hirsutism. I did not struggle with my weight. I did struggle with a little bit of depression um, and things like that. But 
Other people may struggle with extreme cravings, with brain fog, with sleep disorders, with, you know, unexplained weight gain, um, Mm -hmm. excess hair, things like that. So everyone's symptoms or collections of symptoms will look different. So from there, we look at what is driving those symptoms. And there can be three main reasons why that's happening. The most prevalent reason um, is insulin resistance, okay? So insulin resistance is affecting about 75%, if not higher, mm-hmm. of people with PCOS, okay? And that insulin resistance is responsible for that down upregulation of testosterone. So the insulin resistance causes the testosterone to be higher. And when the testosterone level is higher, that leads to more acne, more hair growth, difficulty with weight um, loss, all of those things. Um, With insulin resistance, you may even notice things like skin tags popping up or like dark velvety patches of skin around the neck and different folds, the armpit. Um, So insulin resistance is that really kind of most prevalent driver of many of the symptoms with PCOS. And then we have inflammation. Most people with PCOS, PCOS, sorry, have (laughs) some sort of low-grade chronic inflammation, meaning that our inflammatory markers are elevated. We have more inflammation in our body, right? When we have more inflammation, we have more stress. When we have more stress, that affects our stress hormones that affects things like ovulation when our bodies are in a state of stress yeah our body is not prioritizing oh i want to have a baby right now i'm just trying to get through life right okay so things like ovulation are slowed or stopped um and then lastly we have um a driver of adrenal dysfunction where that's more in those stress hormones. If our what's called DHEAS um, is elevated, um, not in the presence of any high testosterone, sometimes cortisol dysregulation, but that is adrenal dysfunction can lead to more symptoms in PCOS. So those are the three buckets. Okay. And people can fall into three, two, one um, with PCOS. Gotcha. Now, mm-hmm. um, you were speaking about you know, trying and not using, um, you know, medication and how nutrition comes into play with mm-hmm. PCOS and managing it. Can you include some type of maybe examples of how um, changing your nutrition and your diet and how it could help um, manage your PCOS? Yeah. So let's think about insulin resistance because that is one of the main reasons, and most people with PCOS have that. I have it. (laughs) Yes, yes. So insulin resistance, right, is when we think about that, what does that actually mean? Well, it means that our bodies are not able to regulate our blood sugars effectively, okay? We have this release in insulin, which is a hormone that helps to keep our blood sugars regulated and pushed blood sugar into our cells, right? Mm -hmm. Insulin kind of like opens doors. That's its job, right? The problem with insulin resistance is the insulin is there, but the doors won't open, right? That key doesn't work anymore. So the sugars start to build up in the bloodstream that can affect other organs, right? It can cause fatigue and cravings and things like that. 
So insulin resistance, if we're thinking about, okay, well, how can we target that through nutrition, right? Um, One thing is all about managing your blood sugars. That is so important for insulin resistance. That is so important for hormone regulation. So that's kind of like the baseline as to what you want to focus on. So if we had to think about a few things we could do to support blood sugar regulation, that would be meal timing, right? When are we eating throughout the day? Are we skipping meals? Are we going long hours without meals? Are we skipping breakfast, right? All of those are going to make insulin resistance worse, because our blood sugars are on a roller coaster throughout the day because there's no consistency with when we're getting fed, right? So having breakfast, not going long hours without eating is important to stabilizing your blood sugar, stabilizing your insulin, supporting insulin resistance. And when we do that, that helps improve the symptoms that come along with insulin resistance. So that's just one piece of the puzzle. Um, now you're speaking about how important it is to manage, um, with the blood sugar. Can yeah. you name some type of foods that help with that? Yeah. So not necessarily foods, okay. but when we think about how to build a meal and one thing I will say with foods, like there's no good, bad food with PCOS, right? Food is food. It's all about how we balance it. Right. Because you'll hear, and there are a lot of influencers out there who are scaring us with PCOS, don't eat dairy, don't eat gluten, don't eat this, don't eat carbs, don't have sugar. Like, what the heck am I supposed to eat? Do you know (laughs) what I mean? So (laughs) it's crazy. And my philosophy is all foods fit. There's a time and a place for a cupcake and there's a time and a place for a carrot, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about blood sugar regulation, it's all about getting good quality protein always getting some good healthy fats and some fiber in the mix. And if you can get those three things on your plate, that is going to be a blood sugar balanced meal or snack, right? So a breakfast could be as simple as some eggs for protein. Maybe you throw some avocado on the side for healthy fats. And then you've got maybe some spinach for fiber in the eggs and maybe some berries on the side for some additional fiber, right? Mm protein, fat, and carb, and fiber, sorry. Okay? So it's all about balance. Balance. It seems like it's a really big importance with managing your PCOS. Yes. Now, um, I was going through some of your content, and I was looking Mm -hmm. at um, some factors that contribute and that can contribute to um, your PCOS. Things um, such as uh, your partners, your friendships, your relationships, stress. Yeah. Um, yes. I think stress is probably one of the most, well, for me, I think, especially me, um, stress is very Im- important to control. Can you talk about how stress can drive your PCOS and the symptoms um, and yeah. how, how much it affects you? Oof, I would say that is a biggie. That's a biggie. It affects all of my clients with PCOS, mm-hmm. whether you um, are experiencing insulin resistance, inflammatory, adrenal, doesn't matter. Everybody needs to manage stress when it comes to PCOS. The problem is our bodies 
when I say our bodies, us living with PCOS, are much more sensitive to stress. Why? Because we've got that low-grade inflammation, that low-grade stress already present, more so than the person without PCOS. Mm. So we've already got a degree of stress right there, right? So when you think about stress in the body, think about a jar, right? And we can handle so much stress. Mm. But when that stress builds and that jar fills and the stress floats over, that's where it affects our hormones, right? So it can cause cortisol dysregulation, right? Cortisol is a um, stress hormone. And typically with cortisol dysregulation, you're going to feel wired and tired at night, not able to sleep. You're going to wake up exhausted. Even if you get eight, nine hours of sleep, you're going to wake up just like, oh my gosh, I feel like a bus hit me. You know what I mean? You just feel run down. That's cortisol dysregulation and adrenal dysfunction. It can also cause things like elevated C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker, which increases our risk for heart attacks, strokes, things like that, which are connected to PCOS. And when we are stressed and that stress spills over, our body is in that stress state. So things like reproduction get turned off. Mm. We Our ovaries just say, uh-uh, not yeah. today not today, need to sort out the stress first. So that's where irregular periods can be affected by stress. Acne, right? If you've ever touched or felt acne, it's very hot and warm to touch. That's inflammation, that's stress. Mm. More stress worsens acne. And I'll be honest with you, you, that's where my flare-ups occur. When I have more life stressors, my skin gets worse, Mm -hmm. right? But Knowing the connection, it's like, okay, well, I need to say no. I need to set boundaries. I need to focus on what's important for my body. I need to incorporate self-care, add some breathing techniques, right? I know what works in lowering that stress in my body that's already present. Um, So stress is a huge piece to PCOS healing um, that everyone needs to work on. Absolutely. Now, yeah. speaking of your social media, I hope I'm not sure if you um, remember this post. I saw this post that said the six uh, pillars mm-hmm. of to PCOS. Do you recall what those uh-huh. six are? Yes. Okay. Can we please talk about those yeah. six? Sure, sure. So obviously nutrition is a big one, right? What we're eating. Um, So what we put in our body, how we nourish our body, that's very important for PCOS. Are we adding in protein, fat, and fiber? Are we adding in good quality micronutrients to support our hormone development, right? That's very important. Um, Also, physical activity and movement. It's important that we move our bodies. And I'm not saying that you need to go to the gym and like spend hours there quite the contrary. Just getting in some joyful movement is really important. And that can look very different to each person, right? Mm -hmm. So that could be walking, that could be strength training, that could be dancing, right? But getting some movement in is important. Um, Also, um, uh, environmental factors and endocrine disruptors are another component to healing. So unfortunately, 
in this environment, there's a lot of toxins surrounding us. Mm-hmm. When you step out into the environment and you breathe this air, unfortunately, there are toxins that are endocrine disruptors, meaning they can affect our hormones, right? So things like the soaps that we're putting on our body or the candles that we may be lighting or the cleaning products or laundry detergent that we're using, those can affect your hormones, right? And now I'm not saying this to scare people to go and throw everything out. No. One thing that I encourage people to think about when it comes to that, the best thing to start with is going to be whatever you put your beverages in or your water bottles, try to swap out plastic for either glass or stainless steel, right? Mm. Because anything where there's moisture, that's going to help breed more of those endocrine disruptors Mm. getting into the fluid or the food. And if you can make that swap, then I would think about what you store your foods in as well, right? Maybe you go from your plastic storage containers into glassware, right? Mm. Um, If you can make that switch. But start small, right? Right. Do I still have things in my house that might have potential toxins? Of course, right? It's very difficult. Um, But start small. So those are um, three out of the six there. What did I say? Nutrition, activity, endocrine disruptors, um, sleep, very important. (laughs) I cannot say enough about sleep. That is the first thing I work on with my clients. If you are not sleeping... We're not going to work on anything else until we get that sleep under control, right? Sleep is the foundation to good health. That is where your body's able to rest, recreate new hormones, right? Really help kind of support your metabolism. So we should be getting at least like seven to nine hours of good quality rest, right? Where we wake up and feel energized, not just okay, I'm going to get in bed and toss and turn all night, right? Yeah. So that's that's really important too. Um, and then, um, what did I say? Nutrition, physical activity, endocrine disruptors, sleep. sleep. Did I mention stress? We did talk about stress. We have talked yeah, about it. We yeah, did. we did talk about stress. And, and then releasing. Nutrition, da, 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 da. social. Did I include that one? Like your partnerships? Yes. There we go. That's the last one, right? So having a good social network and good support is very important. And that can look very different for everyone, whether it's friendships, family, but you need people in your corner. This is a lifelong condition. This is a chronic condition. So having support is essential to that long-term management of PCOS. Absolutely. Um, one of the last questions I wanted to ask is me personally, I'm interested in, um, and some advice possibly as to any Mm -hmm. tips that you may have for someone who's trying to lose weight and get weight loss while Mm -hmm. managing their PCOS. Yeah. So that's, that's a big one. Um, but if you know what your root driver is, right? If it's insulin resistance, inflammation, or is it um, adrenal dysfunction, that's where you want to kind of put some of your energy in towards healing. So if you know that insulin resistance is a driver of your symptoms, that's where your focus needs to be, right? Mm -hmm. So for insulin resistance, eating, you know, um, meals that are not spread out too far, not skipping meals, 
That's a number one. Okay. Right? The second one is balanced meals, protein, healthy fats, fiber, really start to think about the balance. And I would say like 99% of people that I work with have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, so that's like a really big, big piece because it can help lower cravings. It can help increase your energy. It can help support sleep. It can help support with blood sugar regulation. And then the next one is hydration. Um, water intake is very important. Um, we know that without adequate water, that can kind of make our blood a little bit kind of thicker, right? Because we have sugar in there. So if it's not as diluted and when our blood is a little bit thicker, that's where we have a bit more fatigue and low energy, right? Associated with insulin resistance. Um, and then in addition, I cannot say enough about sleep. <laughs> That's where you need to focus. And there have been studies looking at people trying to lose weight who don't have adequate sleep versus who can get that seven to nine hours. And we know okay. the people who support sleep will start dropping the weight. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get make sure I get some sleep tonight. No. Yes, we better. <laughs> um. I'm sorry. Was that was that all of your tips? That I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut I you off. You, I didn't know if you wanted me to mention like a few like supplements or anything like that. Um, I would I would love to if you want to do honorable mention of some supplements that possibly that can help someone. Um, and then um, I would love to talk about where the audience and the guests can find you on social media yeah. and um, maybe someone that needs some coaching. But yeah, we'll go with the supplements first. <laughs> Okay. Um, so with supplements, I would say there's a lot of things out there on social media and yes. otherwise really promoting. You do not need to go out and buy every supplement under the sun. <laughs> you have to start with those basics that I mentioned, meal timing, balanced meals, sleep, stress. That's where you really make big strides with your PCOS. The supplements are kind of like garnishes. You know what I mean? Like okay. you sprinkle them in to help after you've done those things. Gotcha. So some of those that have been very helpful are myonositol okay. or inositols, right? Mm -hmm. So they actually help to support insulin resistance. They help to lower testosterone levels. Um, and those have been studied significantly um, and for quite a long time for PCOS. And that was one of the first supplements that I took that really helped to support regulating my periods personally. Um, also making sure that you have your vitamin D level checked mm -hmm. because many women with PCOS have low vitamin D levels that is associated with insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. So if we correct that, that's going to help support your hormones too. Um, also a good quality omega-3 or getting that through your diet because we have that low-grade inflammation. So the omega-3 is anti-inflammatory and that can help support that as well. And then lastly, my other top one supplement for PCOS would be magnesium. Mm. Many of us are quite deficient, whether it's through insulin resistance or through taking birth control for many years, but that magnesium deficiency is quite prevalent. Um, so getting a good quality magnesium supplement, which is also going to support sleep, digestion, um, is really important for PCOS too. Wow. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, <laughs> before we go into where everyone can find you, I really, again, appreciate you coming on here. I feel like I've learned so much already. Um, 
and I, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's really, really helpful. There's a whole community of us. And mm-hmm. I learned that, like, you know, just from going on TikTok, you literally came up on my For You page, and I'm so grateful for it um, yeah. because now I feel like we're all passing on knowledge, and it's amazing, and it's really incredible. Um, so if anybody is interested in following you, where can they find yeah. you? Yeah, so I would say I'm most active on Instagram, so at PCOS.nutritionist. Dot Courtney. You can follow me there. I have tons of free information and resources to help support you through PCOS. And then I also offer one-to-one coaching virtually. My program is called Power with PCOS. It's a three-month um, really high-touch coaching program and just really helps to support you reversing your symptoms mm-hmm. naturally with nutrition and lifestyle changes. So if we're trying to get rid of acne, trying to regulate periods, reduce facial hair, lose weight, right? All those things can be managed um, through that nutrition and lifestyle. And that's what I love doing. Love that. Now, yeah. you is it like multiple <laughs> sessions that you have in the three months or... How exactly would it go? I'm sorry. Just will love a little background. Yeah, yeah. So the three-month um, coaching program, we meet once a week okay. for 12 weeks. And it's funny because in the beginning, you might think, wow, that's a lot, a lot of sessions. But by the end, my clients are like, oh, my gosh, we're done already. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to go. <laughs> um, but in those weeks, you are learning about your unique PCOS, what your blood work means, what to request at your doctor's office. I will customize, you know, what supplements are going to be important for you and your unique PCOS, help you to understand how to build PCOS-friendly meals based on your likes, dislikes, allergies, all those things, how to understand how to cook, how to eat out with PCOS, travel, all of that is incorporated plus more in the three-month coaching program. Perfect. Yeah. Well, anywhere else they can mm-hmm. find you are, those are your two, made, the, the two um, major points. The TikTok. Okay. TikTok and Instagram are my two majors, but definitely more prevalent on Instagram. Gotcha. And if anyone needs coaching, you have your one-on-one sessions. Um, And I'll, of course, Mm -hmm. include everything when I post this episode so it's a little easier for everyone to find. Um, Again, I appreciate this conversation so much. Um, And I hope maybe if someone listens to the episode and they have some questions, maybe you can come back or... Yeah, I would love to. I would love love that. Awesome. It sounds like part part two in the works. (laughs) I'm always here for getting more knowledge and learning more. Thank you again for coming and being here and giving us some wisdom. Um, And I just want to cheers. Cheers to that. Thank you guys so much for listening.